Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Would you turn with me to Hosea in the Old Testament? Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. And how many of you were in the service last week and heard me preach about prickly people that are porcupines? Prickly porcupine people. I'm going to kind of hold, I'm going to kind of come back. Hi, how you doing? Hi. Sometimes I think when I ask you something, you're just waving at me. So I don't know which it is, but hi. But uh, last week we talked about it's impossible to get close to somebody without being stuck, without getting a little poked. People are prickly. But what we forget is, is we're prickly too. We're all porcupine people. The closer you get to others, the more you run the risk of getting prodded, of getting poked, of getting pricked. And in the process, there is a little bit of pain. Maybe some of you have gotten close enough to someone that they have actually, now watch this, stabbed you in the back. Dun, dun, dun. And I want to talk about how some people you love so much could hurt you so much. What do you do with that? And I want to talk about even later what Jesus did with that. And I want to talk about why it happens and why God allows it. And what is God's plan to all of this? We're going to hear in this story this morning, probably, in fact, scholars say next to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is probably by far the most love story of grace in the gospel in the entirety of the Bible. This story about Hosea and Gomer, what a bummer of a name, Gomer, man. When I think of his wife, Gomer, I think of Gomer Pyle. Come on, I mean, ugly. You're like, you shouldn't say that. When I think of Gomer, I think of, man, how unloved. How unloved. You're going to hear a story of how God calls us into relationships that hurt. It hurts. Don't get the blue light special on this. I'm going to tell you the truth right here and now. You get close to somebody and love them enough, it will it will hurt. And you're going to be like Hosea and say, you know, why God, why, 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 why? And you'll just begin to know the revelation of God that says, my son, my son, my son. I get it. I get it. He was pricked and poked too. And I want to talk about when the, when the dagger comes in, when, when, when you're stabbed by these selfish, prickly, porcupine people. What do you do, when you, what do, you do with the wound? What do you do with the wound? What do you do with it? Come on, let's, let's, let's read this here. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of whoredom. Go marry a prostitute. Now, I'm tired of people cleaning up Bible stories. This ain't clean. But neither is the gospel and who it's centered on and who it's presented to. You know, we got this rated G version of all these Bible stories, man. 
Let me just go there for a minute. Stop telling me that Jonah in the belly of a fish that God prepared, stop presenting that fish with a big smile on its face. <laughs> stop it! It had a monstrous mouth. And it came and sucked him up, man. And it was not pretty. You know, I think of Jurassic Park. You know, big old mouth, man. Sucked him in. It was not pretty. Get, get rid of the rated G version. Stop showing me the rated G version. The, the Sunday school for the five-year-old version of David standing in front of Goliath. That dude was a beast. He was huge. He was nasty. His breast stunk. He would throw spears and run three, four, five guys through. This wasn't cute. This wasn't pretty. This is life. And neither is it when you're following God. That's the problem. Some people have been sold on this, that if I follow God, all my problems go away and life would be cute. This ain't cute. It's Christ. And the story of Christ ain't cute either. I know he was a loving man and he was a good man, but stop giving me, stop giving me this emasculated Jesus. Do you understand what I mean? Stop pulling his masculinity away from him. He was a carpenter. He had wore down hands. He was strong. Stop presenting Jesus with a hairstyle out of Hollywood. That's hippie Jesus. That's not the Jesus. Come on now. Come on. He was tough. He was rugged. He was a man's man. And that's the God I serve. I want to be with a God that's tough and strong. That's love, too. Well, thank you, Randy. You're, you're on fire today. The real God is the one I'm presenting this morning. Not the rated G, cute, watered-down version, emasculated, hey, hi, how do you feel? Are you, are you, it's all about how you feel. A tough and a loving God says, look, you're in the middle of the worst. And I am the very best, and I'm going to go into the middle of your worst and call you out. So, so if I talk about a woman in whoredom and, and, and Gomer being a prostitute, don't you email me later and say, you've got to learn to rate a G your sermons. As soon as you hit those doors and walk out there, that's not a rated G life. That's not rated G. It's rated R for redemption. That just came to me. God's good, man. That's <laughs> all right, man. I got <laughs> There's other stuff, but I'll leave it alone. Um, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take for yourself a wife of whoredom. Thanks, God. Thank you. Thanks. I get to go marry a prostitute. Wow. Oh, not only that, and have kids with her. So not only are you calling me to, to come into covenant... And share my life. Everything that I have is now hers, and everything that is hers is now mine. She don't have anything. She's a woman of ill repute. She is from the red light district zone. She has nothing to give but her debt and her life of sin. And Hosea has everything to give. He is living in the northern kingdom. This is 750 years before Christ walks the earth. This is during the reign of King Jeroboam II. Israel in the northern kingdom had never done better. It was prospering. 
Not since the days of King David had this part of Israel seen so much wealth, so much prosperity. It had three wrong ideas about love. Write them down. Number one, they believed that love could be bought. That love could be bought. Oh, I think you'll see a synonymous relationship. I hope you'll see something about your culture this morning. Number two, not only that love could be bought, but number two, that love was in acquiring things. They were rich. They were prosperous. They thought they had the love of God on them because they had stuff. They had things. You and I erroneously make the same mistake. We'll look at someone in church and they'll say, we'll say, look, they're driving new cars. Look at their new clothes. Look at the things that they have. They must have the prosperity and the love of God. God must be smiling on them and not on me. And I, there must be something wrong about my life or I would be and have what they have. You are measuring with the wrong stick. I want to give you the two sticks of the cross brought together and love displayed, so loved. Could God do any better? Can he do any greater than his son? Don't you be hating well, look what they got. Look how they're doing. And we get into the comparison trap and we begin to say, you know, Lord, if you really love me, why am I not prospering the way that they are? You don't know why God's brought those things into their life. You don't know what God's calling them to do with those things in their life. They're not coming to them. They're coming through them. Did you know everything God's brought to you is really supposed to pass through you? Oh, you don't believe that? Someday you'll die. Never seen, never seen a, a Hertz pulling a U-Haul. You'll be in a casket. Your body will be in a casket. You'll take none of it with you. All of it will pass through you someday. So why not start letting it pass now? Don't be a constipated Christian. Let it, let it flow, Lord. Let it, let it, let it flow. Let it go. Now, now, I want to tell you something now. I want, to I, want to, I, want to, I want to say something right now, because some of you are already, you're saying, I'm starting to get a bead on this pastor. He's got this style that uses illustrations, and he's got this style. It looks to me like he's here to amuse people. I'm not here to amuse you. I'm not here to appease you. I like that you laugh sometimes, but as soon as you laugh, I want to punch you in the gut. <laughs> you're only laughing so I can give you the truth and why do I use illustrations? Why do I use object lessons? Why do I use messages the way that I do? I want to teach you something. Don't tell me how to do my job. I know how to do it. I've been doing it a while. Listen to me. Good, I got your attention. God in the Old Testament invented this style of communication. I didn't. This is not amusement. When God would take a prophet in the Old Testament and he would give that prophet words for his people, they would go and they would illustrate it with their life so that the people could see the object lesson and the illustration of what the, the prophet was doing with their life and so that the people could understand, so that everyone could understand the simplicity of God's truth. You see, great communicators and teachers take complicated things and make them simpler. Some of you are very, very proud in your knowledge, but you don't take complicated things and make them simple. 
A great communicator or a prophet of God would speak as the unction of the Lord. He would speak as an oracle of God, and he would take the complicated things of God and make them so simple that a little child could understand. And he would do it in the way of object lessons. Jeremiah would show up to the kingdom. He would go to the middle of Jerusalem, and he would have on him, watch this, he would be wearing what? Do you know about Jeremiah? Do you know? Do you know? What would he, what would he be wearing? What's a yoke? Broken eggs? He would show up in a yoke, an ox yoke. And he would, walk into the, he would walk into Jerusalem with it so that the people could see that they were in bondage. But they can also see that what Christ wants to do is to call you to a yoke that's easy and a, and a burden that's light. And you take the stronger animal and yoke him up with the weaker animal and you'll learn of me, Jesus says. Come be yoked with me. That is an object lesson. That is an illustration. That is how God does things. And he does the same thing with Hosea. And all of these names are important too. He says, Hosea, I want to tell my people something. And in order to tell them, I want to do a really, really cool object lesson. You're going to have fun with this one. Here's the object lesson, Hosea. Go marry a prostitute. Have kids with her. And as soon as you start having kids, we're going to give those kids some names. We're going to give them names. And then as soon as they get their names, everybody's going to walk up to these kids and they're going to say, why did your daddy and mama name you that? Why'd you give them that name? Kids aren't going to know. But Hosea is going to say, this is an opportunity for me to show you how God feels right now and what God is saying right now. Hosea's name means salvation. Save us. Later on in the New Testament, you'll see this name again. It is the root of Hosanna. Hosea. When they said Hosanna on Palm Sunday before Jesus was crucified, he rode in on a donkey. This was a victory. This was a moment of victory. We're claiming victory. Save us now from, the, from Rome. Save us now from the emperor. You'll be our leader. You are the, the Meshach. You are the anointed one, the Messiah. Jesu HaMashiach, you are the Messiah. Come save us. Hosanna. Hosea. Gomer's name, ready for this, means complete. Complete. Wasn't a complete thing about her life. How many of you know that God can say things over you by his saving power and grace that aren't necessarily true of you now, but will be? <laughs> will be. Uh, but, but, but the in-between, and we preached that in here and taught that here, the in-between stage is, look it's, look, it's pretty at the beginning and it's pretty at the end, and it's messy in between, right? That's where the peanut butter and the sticky moment is. Remember, we talked about that. Come on now, come on. I remember, Pastor. So Hosea is told to go marry Gomer, complete, and have children with her. And this is an object lesson, it's an illustration, this is a story for the people of God to understand. And I want to give you the names of the children so that you'll understand. You see, they have three. The first one is named Jezreel, which means place of judgment. The next one is named Lo-Ramah, which means no mercy. No mercy. So they have a boy, and they have a girl. And they have another boy. And the next boy is named this, Lo-Ami, not my people. 
Jezreel, place of judgment. Lo Ramah, no mercy. Lo Ami, not my people. Can you imagine being named that? Can you imagine? Okay, listen, I substitute teach from time to time because I am just into it. I love it. I enjoy it. Going to do it here too. You know why? Because don't tell me why to pray for the schools and not get in the schools. Got to get in there with the word. You know what? I have to read that roster. And the teachers that are there, they know who their kids are. I don't know how to pronounce these kids' names. And I get them wrong every single time. Because people are naming their kids like after Jello and everything else. And I can't get the names right to save my life. Can you imagine teacher calls? It's the first day of class in third grade. And your name is No Mercy. Where is No Ferris? Ferris? Bueller? Where's No Mercy? Where's Not Your God? Where's place of judgment? Did they show up for class today? Can you imagine being named that? Your whole life is a testimony and a word to people? Would that be popular? C come on, no, no. Listen, shift to two cups of coffee in the morning, not one. No, shake your head no. 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 Is, 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 is communicating the truth Popular. No. Stay away from things that attract the herd. The truth is always a little bit prickly. And the story of the truth is a little bit prickly. And it calls you to things that may hurt. And we all want to be in this prosperous culture. We are the most prosperous nation on earth. Amen. Praise God. But we get all wrapped up in that, don't we? Why are we pro why have we prospered? What is the purpose of our prosperity? Is it so that love can be bought? Is it so that we can seek love in things? Is it so that we can become idolatrous and begin to mistake that for the love of God? We are prospering to show the world that we're the head, not the tail, and bring the gospel to the entire planet. That's why God has prospered us. It's not to give you three cars and two boats and a backyard with an amusement park in it. Come on over, Pastor. Can I go there? This wasn't in my notes. This is going to really bother you. I hope this really makes you mad. I pastored a church one time. Don't, don't worry, it's not you, but it was years ago. So I'm safe. I show up. They say, Pastor, Sarah, will you please come to our house? I say, why, sure. We show up, we have a wonderful meal, and then he says, hey, let's go into my backyard. I want to show you my toys. I'm like, I love toys. I do. There's nothing wrong with toys. Listen, listen, listen. Just use them for God. Just use them for God. And this guy, if I'm lying, I'm dying. This guy, my wife would tell you, this guy had built an entire movie theater into his backyard. The biggest screen I've ever seen someone have personally. We watched about two movies that I didn't really care for because they, well, I got my own idea of movies, okay? And he's like, well, what do you think? What do you think? I was like, dude, that's, that's awesome. I said, you know what we need to do next week? We need to have all the youth over here. We need to watch this movie that talks about how Jesus does this and that, and, that, and we'll just blow them away. We're going to have us a youth party. He said, I wouldn't let any kids come in here. We just, we just friendship over. I'm a, hey, listen, I'm going to love you, but I don't like you now. You don't, you don't. Hello, 
Oh, man, I'm going to judge you. you got to like everybody. Nobody, there's not a Bible that tells me i got to like everybody. I've never seen a verse in here that says i got to like you. I still love you, but here's how to get me to like you. Are you going to use what you got for what God wants? Or is this really just about you? Is this about you? This is what's happening in the northern kingdom. This is what Hosea is up against. So God says, you're living like you're not my people. Lo ami. You're living like I am not a merciful God. Lo ramah. And you're living yourselves into judgment. Jezreel. And I'm going to give you three living object lessons. And I'm going to show you my love through Hosea. And I'm going to show you who you are. You're not Hosea. You're Gomer. Oops. You thought maybe you'd be Hosea in the story, right? Because, Pastor, I've been, I've been yoked with people that have hurt me. I've been, I've been with people that have stabbed me. I've been with people that have stuck me. I know. But you're still not Hosea. You're Gomer. Hi, Gomer. Hi. I'm Gomer, too. What does she do? She's married to this great prophet. He's famous in the northern kingdom. What does she do? It isn't long before they have three children. Are you with me? Are you with me? It isn't long before they have three children. And this prophet wakes up one morning. He goes out into his kitchen to pour himself a bowl of Apple Jacks. They're Jewish Apple Jacks, you see. They're just... It's morning time. Usually there's some coffee on, and you know that the coffee is brewed by Jewish people because he brews it. <laughs> went, a little, went a little chips for those cheese, for that cheese I'm putting out. And she, he looks around and says, uh, where's Gomer? And Gomer gone. She gone. Well, where is she? She's not out uh, landscaping. She's not out mowing the Jewish lawn. She's not out doing what godly women do. Yeah, she's not out the Jewish Aldi's, man. <laughs> yeah. You know where she is? She's back to prostituting herself. And then God comes to this Hosea, salvation, save us, and says, go get her. Now, he has all the legal rights for divorce. Biblically, he has all the... Moses gives that. Jesus later says, you know, Moses gave you a way out. My way is a little bit bigger than that. But Moses gave you the lawful way out. And here it is. You know what? If, it, if, if your spouse is sleeping around on you, you're, you can walk away from this covenant. And, and, but Jesus says, you know, that's not really... You know, how many, can I say something this morning without you getting too mad? God hates divorce. He does. And many people have been through it. That's not what we're here to do this morning. We're not here to condemn anybody. Actually, we're here to say, thank God you're married to Jesus. And thank God you're married to who you're married now. And keep it up, right? Right. All right, so go get her, go get her, go get her. He finds her, and you know the rest of the story, don't you? 
Where does he find her? Well, he has to go into the red light district. What is this? What is this astute, wonderful, pious prophet, seer of God doing in a bad part of town on the other side of the tracks? What is he doing over there? Why are you there? You're not supposed to be there. Why are you here? And imagine Hosea walking into these places looking for his wife, probably walking up to dudes. Just put yourself into the text and walking up and saying, have you seen? Have you seen her? Have you, have you seen her? Where, where is she? Some of these guys he'd asked had probably slept with her. Don't read past this stuff and go, well, isn't that special? That's so cute. It's a cute little story. Just a cute little story. It ain't cute. Some of these dudes say, hey, man, have you seen my wife? Oh, whoa, I didn't know you two were still. Hey, hey, whoa, I didn't, I didn't mean it, man. But yeah, she's been around. And he shows up and finds her at the auction block. Being sold now as a slave. And God says this, and I want you to get the gravity of it. If you don't get the gravity of this, you'll miss everything else. God says, buy her. Redeem her. Purchase her. What? Why am I buying something I already own? See, when you were lost, it wasn't that you did not belong to God. You were, you, you've always belonged to God. Jesus dying on the cross to purchase you and redeem you was not to make you his own. You were already his own. He had to send his son to die for you so that you would be his and free. You understand. You giving your heart to Christ is just being in agreement with what is already his. And when you tithe in an offering... Listen, you aren't giving to God. You're, listen, you're, you pay the tithe. You're giving Him what's already His. You understand? Your life is already His. You're just now in agreement. Oh, it's so good to be in agreement. It's so good to be in agreement. Man, that is a blessing. So He goes and buys her. I want you to see these numbers. These numbers are important. If you attend Tom Rudder's class, if you get behind some of the great teachers we have in this church, and we got them, man. Numbers are important. They're important. He goes and he buys her with 15 pieces of silver. Silver in the Bible always represents the righteousness and divinity or deity of God. 15 pieces of silver and one and a half measures of barley. He buys her back, and he is doing this to say to Israel, <laughs> you have treated me like I'm not your God. You have treated me like I have no mercy. Judgment should come upon you, but I am a merciful God. Later, if you'll read in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, You'll see what Jesus quotes in the New Testament. You see, Jesus is with the tax collectors and the sinners, and he's having a meal with them. And the Pharisees show up and they say, what are you doing? What are you doing eating 
with the sinners. And Jesus says something pivotal. He is quoting Hosea here. You have to hear it with Jewish ears or you'll completely miss it. He says this, watch this. He says, I desire mercy. Not no mercy. That's the way you're living. That's not me. I desire mercy, not vain sacrifices. I have been called to the sinners, not the righteous. And then he says something pivotal. He says, now go and learn what that means. He says, you're not going to learn it here. You got to go. <laughs> Did you know you learn some things on the go? Some people think I got to be in a classroom with a flannel graph for everything. You'll never learn what it means to love the lost until you go and get with them. And that's what salvation did. Hosea went to the auction block and bought her back. And here's the numbers. In the, in the 15, we see later, Jesus was sold for how many pieces of silver? 30. But in the 15, we see half of the story. I want to show you in a minute how the whole story comes out, and it's better in Christ. Say better in Christ. 15, the number of five in the Bible is grace. The number of three in the Bible is the Trinity, or the wholeness of God. 15 is grace, grace, and... Oh, okay, you can say it all you want. That's what I want. Uh, now, Brother Ryan teaches math. If any of you want to help out with this anytime, you can. Or if you don't know math, you, know, you can hang out with... I don't know math very well. But, but 15 is grace, grace. You know, we can be here all day. You'll never eat lunch. If you don't participate, I'll just keep you here all day long. Oh, I can get up and leave. <sighs> I love when the disciples said to Jesus, he said, will you leave me too? And they said, where else would we go to hear the word of God? I ain't going, I'm staying until I hear it. 15, grace, grace. Woo! I like it. I like it a lot. And then this measure and a half of barley, we see the deity of the fullness of God and the Trinity coming forward and saying, we'll pay the price to make you complete. Because prophetically, that's what your name means. To make you complete. To, to buy you back and redeem you and pull you into wholeness. Mm. All of us partake. All of us will be a part of this redemption. Did you know that Jesus went to the cross with the Spirit of God still in him? All the way up until he said, into thine hands I commend my spirit. It wasn't just Jesus at the cross, the Holy Spirit was with him too. Yes, Boom! You think the Holy Spirit just showed up like a dove later on when, when it was time to party. He was in the rated R movements for redemption, not just in the rated G for God. The whole of God has been at work. Jesus even says, my father works, and he is working, even up to now. When just Jesus came down, made sure you were straight. God has been working since the beginning. The Holy Spirit has been working since the beginning, and Jesus has since the beginning. This message is so powerful within me right now. So if I'm a little bit more exuberant than usual, don't get too much upset. I just cannot talk about the glory of what God has done 
and not do it with some kind of energy? How can we just say, oh, everyone please sit still. I'm going to tell you what God has done for you. The, the measure and a half of barley represents, see, see, Jesus said, hey, listen, leave, leave the tares with the wheat. We'll separate that at the end. You're, he was talking about souls. He was talking about you and I. We came up from the earth. Adam was created from dirt. God breathed his spirit into him. We see the story of deity coming together with humanity. And God says, I'm going to redeem both. I'm going to make sure that we come back together. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pull you out of this. Hosea does just that and buys her back. There's a lot of other things that happen in the story, but I got to go a little bit farther. I got to help us understand where Jesus is coming from now because he sold for 30 pieces of silver. Say 30, not 15, 30. We have a completion now because the law is 10. It's 10 commandments. And listen, you and I have broken most of them. Beginning with the first one. Love the Lord your God with all. And God made sure with his deity through Christ that the slave price, you'll find this in Exodus and in Leviticus, to buy back a slave is 30, not 15. How much? Salvation. Hosea showed up in Jesus and bought you and I back from slavery and bought you and I back. Listen so that the fullness of the law would be in him. There's now mercy. And Jesus says, I desire this. Your God desires this. Go and learn. That's why I'm with sinners. Because the story is about my glory. And my glory is to buy back with my life. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. <laughs> Everybody give Chad Lee a big hand. Come on up, Chad. He's looking at me like, what? What? Man, that's a beautiful guitar, Roland. I like that. I will not do what I'm about to do by that beautiful guitar, okay? I'm not going to do that. When we're stabbed by people, if we're not careful... I have a pretty little shower cap that I'm going to put on you, and it's purple, okay? Yeah, can I put it on or? Okay, so, all right. He looks like he's about to make a pizza. Hey, I make a pizza, man, a pizza, 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 yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, when we're stabbed by people, when we're pricked by people, when we're betrayed, by people. Did you know that Judas, the betrayer, was the one that held on to the silver? And then the night he betrayed Christ, he was given payment. And then he threw it to the potter's field, not knowing that this was fulfilling prophecy, not knowing that this would, this would complete the gospel, not knowing that this would complete the story. How many of you know Judas could have still been saved? He could have still been saved. God is willing that all should be Saved, that none should, none should be lost. I want you to see this. You know, it's, it's funny because inevitably, when we think about 
It's just wet in there. This is not actually wet. It's wet inside. How many of you know there's a lot of water in here? This could be bad for you, my friend. I may owe you a nice lunch after this. Uh, how many of you know that when we're, when we're betrayed, when we get close, and you don't think Judas was close? He walked with him for three years. He was picked by Jesus. He was sent out by Jesus. He was there in the feeding of the 5,000. He was there with Jesus' ministry from beginning to end. Judas was a part of the whole story. And Jesus still picked him. And Jesus still said, yeah, I know what you're going to do. Come on. Come on, I love you. I love you anyway. I know you're going to betray me. I know you're going to wound me. I know you're going to be part of the nails going into my wrists and into my feet. I know you're going to be part of the process. But come on, I still love you. Come on, I still love you. This is for you too. We think of Judas as the son of perdition, and that's what the Bible calls him, but, but you don't know the Judas that Jesus wanted to save. And we look at that situation, if we're not careful, we begin to think that somehow in this story, that we're Hosea and not Gomer. Somehow, God, we need, to, we need you to deal with the people that have dealt with us, and they've dealt us a bad hand. Be careful what they've done to me, God. They've wounded me. They've stuck me. They've stabbed me. And God, it's so wounded me, I'm not Gomer, I'm Hosea. Yeah, I'd love to see him saved, but I'm the one hurt. And we forget how much we've hurt him. And if you ever lose track, if you ever forget just about how much you've let him down, you'll start to think when people let you down that it's the end of the world. It's not. It wasn't the end of the world for Jesus. Three days later, he rose. <laughs> yeah. And so what happens is, inevitably, when we get stuck, when we get pricked, oh, that one won't work. It's not sharp enough. Uh, when we get stuck and we get pricked, it goes through us. And it, well, it's not getting wet at all, is it? This is a big bag of water here. Man, if that went over you right now, you'd have to change before lunch. That'd be bad, brother. And then we're like, well, what's going to happen, God? What, should I, I don't, I don't want to be a doormat. Should I let him stick me again? And there it is again. And there it is again. And there it is again. There it is again. I didn't run that one all the way through, did I? Oh, that got poked. Okay, let me see if I can go through there. Let's put it over Chad's head now. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. <laughs> <laughs> What's he going to do now? This illustration wasn't that good after all. That pastor don't know what he's doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on, work. Okay. And, God, I can't have this hanging over my head. I can't have, they stuck me. They stabbed me. They wounded me. I can't have this hanging over me. God, I've got to deal with what has been done and dealt to me. Everybody give him a hand right now. God bless you. You can keep that shower cap. That's yours. Yeah. It's not the stabbing that kills you. It's you messing with the wound. If you ever get stabbed, God forbid... I learned this in prison. These were called shanks. Okay? I learned this in prison, man. You get stabbed. This is going to sound crazy. Leave it in. Leave it in. 
You let the physician, you know where this is going. You let the physician pull it out because if you pull it out, you're going to bleed out. If you pull it out, that's what kills you. And some of you are right now, oh, the church floor is getting wet. The church floor has water on it. God, God bless you. We'll endure with you another day. It's you and I dealing with the wounds. It's you and I messing with the wounds. I think, my God, that when Jesus was, listen, offered up, he wasn't murdered on the cross. He was offered up. That's another sermon. He was offered up. When he was offered up, he didn't pull out the nails. He didn't pull out the nail from his feet. He didn't pull out the nail from his hands. He let the hand of the great physician deal with that. He knew that there was a plan that was greater than just his life. Did you know that it's not just about you? That there will be collateral damage if you start playing with your wounds. Hosea could have said, she went out and cheated on me once, man. Did you know it happened twice? You'd have been better in the story if it would have just happened once. I know. I can't take you through all of it this morning. But it happened twice. Well, that's it. I can't handle this anymore. I don't know if I can forgive now. You've done it again. I, don't, I, I can't forgive. How many times has God forgiven you? And before you go thinking that God won't forgive you again, if he's called us to 70 times 7, how much more do you think he'll forgive? 490 times a day? I guarantee you, you're a big sinner with a sinning at times. You're really a saint, by the way. But listen, 490 times a day? And he still shows up and forgives in love? <laughs> That's a lot of love. That's a lot of love. And, here, and, and, and think about this. Think about this. Jesus, all the way until he died, left the pricks and the needles from the prickly people, you and I, in. And left it for the Father to deal with. And the Father sends his spirit and the Son gives his life. And we're redeemed. So do not this morning... Do not this morning, don't, don't confuse forgiveness with trust. I'm not talking about trust. If somebody's broken your trust, I'm not telling you to go, well, I, go ahead, just, go, just, go, just do it to me again. I'm not talking about trust. Any of you ever played Jenga? Jenga, 54 blocks. I know my stuff, man. I, I'm telling you, man. 54 blocks in Jenga. Each of you takes turns. You pull one, you pull one, you pull one. Eventually, the house comes down. In a relationship, you can only, you can only bruise somebody's trust so many times. I'm not talking about trust. Trust has to be earned. Forgiveness is already paid for. I'm not telling you to trust over. I'm not telling you you got to lay down for it all the time. I'm not telling you to be a doormat. I'm not telling you to be a victim. I'm not telling you to live a scripted life. 
I'm telling you to forgive. Because someone has forgiven you of more, way more. I'm telling you to walk in freedom and forgive. And don't mess with the wounds. And stop playing with the stabs and the pricks. And stop playing with that stuff because that's what's causing you to bleed out. Stop, stop wishing poison on somebody else and through unforgiveness drinking it yourself. Live your life in freedom and know that your God has got this too. Would you all stand with me in prayer? We would be remiss if we didn't leave this about Jesus because it's all about him, man. John chapter 4, I quoted part of the verse this morning during communion. I'm going to quote the rest. Listen carefully. John chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved. Not that we loved. Not that we loved God. But that God loved us. And we know that he loved us first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. It says, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That means the payment, the redemption price, to buy us back for our sins. And this is what I want to leave you with. I wonder if you know what word I want you to remember this morning. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Bow with me in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, we have no excuse for unforgiveness. We have so great a payment was paid. Love was demonstrated. In so great a way, we have no excuse to walk in bitterness. God, I pray this morning that we no longer be bitter, that we be better. We are not a church that's bitter. We are a church that's better. We're not going to play with the wounds anymore and walk around, God, wounded and scripted. We're not going to try to pull out the daggers, although it does hurt. And God, we're not going to try to force out the quills. We know, God, you've called us to people that have hurt us and hurt us bad. But God, we let it all go, don't we, church? Am I the only one praying? I let it go this morning, God. I let go what the church has done to me. I let go to pe what people that I loved has done to me. I let it go. And I let God. I let it go. I let the hand of the great physician deal with the wounds. I can't pull it out, God. If I do, I'll die. I need your forgiveness, God. And I need to give it to others as well. I'll let you deal, God, with the daggers and the knives. I'll let you deal with it, God. May those that have hurt us be complete in your love anyway. We pray for them, God, right now. We pray for them. May those that have stuck us, that have bruised us, that have hurt us, may they be complete in your love anyway. Save them, Lord, if they need salvation. Win them, God, by your love. Begin that work with us. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, come on, amen. Let's give God a clap offering in the house.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Make sure you love somebody before you leave today. That's what church is all about. God bless you. Be a blessing this week.